1: When it comes to illustrating God's love for us, he pulls out the ultimate illustration, a father's love for a child. Right here in Hebrews 12, next. Stuart Townend, in his wonderful hymn, writes how deep the father's love for us How vast beyond all measure that he would give his only son to make a wretch, his treasure. And that gives us an indication as to just how deep God's love for us really is. And to illustrate that, God himself uses this one illustration in Hebrews 12, that of a father's loving way to train a child. And that's where we find ourselves today on this edition of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Welcome to the broadcast. Here's Pastor Phil now with today's program.
2: Hebrews 12, verse 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. They must not have lived in the city of Jerusalem. And have you forgotten the exhortation That addresses you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. This was a famous rabbinic uh, uh, teaching right out of Proverbs 3. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises, and that's a very light. It literally in the Hebrew says, And beats with a whip. So you do like these English versions that clean it up. Every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. It might have taken us years to do it, but finally. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I want us to look at the father's way of training his children, and he's going to use the comparison of an earthly father and training children compared to the father. But let me give you two things before we get into that. Number one, the sources of suffering in God's people. God's people suffer from all kinds of causes. And I don't want to delve into it deep, but I'll read off. I wrote down, uh, I got 12 uh, things. You might just scratch the verse and look it up on your own. But I found at least 12 reasons why uh, Christians suffer. Because we all expect the wicked to suffer, but sometimes they're doing better than us. And that's what the psalmist said. But just causes of suffering among God's people. Number one, Deuteronomy 8.3 said, God took them through the wilderness journey, a hard path. He could have taken them up the coast, and they would have been in Canaan in a matter of weeks. But he took them through the desert, and... Even had they not rebelled, it was a rough, rigorous, the hardest way. Why did you take us that way? He said, to reveal to you what was in your heart. I tested you to show you your heart. Maybe what you're going through, God wants to show you you. And you're going to be shocked what you find. Because we don't always like what the trial reveals our impatience our bitterness a lot of stuff two he gives us the trials according to romans 5 to develop our character that he says and these trials produce endurance and endurance produces character or approved behavior so character three to purify us first peter 1 7 says god refines us as gold that he may refine us. So, God knows how to consume the dross. The, oh, how firm a foundation. My dross consume, thy go to refine. Uh, to know Christ experientially. I want to know Christ. Do you? And the fellowship of his sufferings. Philippians 3.10. Oh, 10. do do you really? What is that? The partnership of suffering with him on behalf of his cause in the earth. I'm willing to suffer with Christ for the sake of his name, his gospel, whatever. I want to know you, Christ. Oh, I want the power of your resurrection. Oh, we can get get everybody to sign up for that. How about the fellowship of his suffering? To um, teach us how to comfort others. 2 Corinthians 1.3 God comforts us in all of our trouble that we may comfort others with the comfort whereby we've been comforted. He's simply saying God allows you to have a problem so he can come in and comfort you and help you and now he turns you into a minister of that comfort. Go share it with somebody else. The best one to comfort a widow is another widow. The best one to comfort someone that's lost a child is someone that's done it. It's just built in. You just, you, you've been there. You know. Pass it on. Um, to teach you not to rely on yourself. 2 Corinthians 1.9. I nearly, he said, despaired when I was in Asia Minor. Verse 8. These things happened to me that I would not rely on myself, but upon God who raises the dead. Are you a self-reliant person? God has ways and trials and suffering to stretch you beyond your means and self-reliance. People love to think they're in charge. And, uh, you know, that's what's so humbling about going to the hospital. The only thing between you and a drink of water and a bedpan is a buzzer. And you hope somebody answers it. It's humbling. It's humbling. Self-reliant man. Then he goes on to keep us from falling into pride. Paul said, I saw things that are not lawful to even share with you. I was caught up to the third heaven went to the paradise of God and God showed me things that I won't even get to tell you Corinthians but guess what followed up with this exceeding great revelation a demon started pounding me in the face and I said God it's mixed up call him off I imagine a day later God you didn't hear me yesterday I said call him off third day I said call him off and God said No, I'm not. It's going to be something used to shrink your head for the rest of your life, Paul. And you won't brag on how much you know. You'll be just saying, I need grace. I need grace to make it. And I've been around men who had an exceeding great amount of Bible knowledge that still needed their heads shrunk. And nothing would do it like suffering. To discover the divine strength in human weakness. 2 Corinthians 12.10 I have learned to rejoice in my suffering because when I am weak, then am I strong. (laughs) Uh, I think to teach you and maybe your loved ones, I'd rather have Jesus than ten children and all my cattle and all my livestock and all my 401k and all this world's goods, I leave it all and I'm just on an ash heap. But I'd rather have you, God, than all that you gave me. I will not curse you if you strip me. I do not ever want God to test me like that. I'll take Job's testimony. That's all I want. I just want to read the testimony. And it was amazing when Job came to the end of the book. Remember, Job doesn't know what's going on in chapter 1 and 2. We get the story after it all happened. When it was happening, he didn't know the devil was involved and that he and God were having it out. He got caught in between. And he comes down to about chapter 38. God starts saying, you know what? Your arguments with your friends, you've been right, but you've been wrong about me. And he comes to something maybe you've never come to. Job finally said, God doesn't have to give me an answer for why I suffered. I've just come to see he's sovereign, he's omniscient, he's all-powerful, and I'm going to serve him anyhow. See, we live on promises, not on explanations. There's a lot of whys in life. That will evaporate with your first glimpse of Jesus. I think um, one of the great sources of all of our problems is we're a sinful race. Death, divorce, decay, hate. All of this has come because of sin. And when you sin, you will suffer. David said in Psalms 51, when he's confessing his adultery with Bathsheba, he said, make the bones you have broken. The bones you have broken, make them rejoice again. Now friend, hear me, hear me, hear me. If you want to do it, do it. But God's going to break your bones if you're his child. You won't get away with it. You won't get away with it. Don't think you will. Jonah, I said Nineveh, and if I have to drown you nearly at the bottom of the ocean, you're going to listen to me, boy. I'm a stubborn lover. I can outrun you. I could outlast you. And young people, you hear me. You just hear morals taught. The youth group, don't do it, don't do it. Do it! But it won't keep the coal from burning your hand. God's not going to take the stinger out. Mel Trotter was asked to speak somewhere and had been a drunk most of his life and helped start the Pacific Garden Rescue Mission. And he's being asked to go to this meal or whatever. He said, I can't, I can't. He said, God forgave me all my sins, but he never healed my cirrhosis. I drank like a fist for years. I got ulcers. I've got cirrhosis. I didn't get a brand new body when I came to Christ. And I'm living with a lot of the wounds of the stuff. The veins are filled with drugs. The nose and the coke I snorted. And the wreck I got in when I was drunk. And the man I killed because I was out of my head. I can't undo it. Many a Christian is in prison today for a sin running from God. And they'll pay the full penalty. The wages of sin is death. We don't fear God enough. We think it's all grace. Honey, it's grace, but he'll break your bones. Oh, you don't believe it. You don't believe it. Because you've grown up in America where nothing's wrong, everything's right. Let me tell you, he will break your bones. He will break you in two. He will outlast you, Israel. You play the whore, Israel. I'm going to put you in captivity. Your women will be raped. Your children will be eaten in the city walls. Read Lamentations 2. I will see good women eat their own children because you left me. I will drag you to the ends of the earth. Read Deuteronomy 28, 29. You leave me, Israel. You break covenant. I will track you down. I will not be passive because you're my people and I will break you when you break me. Romans 1, if you want to give me up, I'll turn you over. I have to say, I found out it's good. In Romans 1, he didn't say he'd give him up. He said he'd give him over. He hasn't given up on the race, but he did give him over to sin. He hasn't given up. That helps me a lot. Now, let me tell you a little bit before we get into the text. What it was like to raise children as a Jewish father under the law. First of all, he was told that if he didn't discipline his children, he hated them. Proverbs 13, 24. He was told in Proverbs twenty two fifteen 15 that foolishness or folly which was sinful behavior, was bound up in the heart of a child. So they knew that once they got a baby, that we've got a sinner. We've got an innate fool. They, they don't know how to behave. They don't have manners. They don't have potty training. They don't know how to hold a fork. They don't know the Torah, the law. And, and in that Jewish home, they knew this. There were no public schools. There was no synagogue in Deuteronomy. The only place children got educated was the home. Could your children get educated in your home? If we cut out the youth group, cut out the children's program, would your kids ever learn the Bible? And it was the primary duty of the father. Turn off the NFL and first invest in the boy. And the daughter. See, everybody's got a view on how to raise children. And I really got a good view when I'm looking at the way your kids are acting. And I think, when are you going to spank that kid? And those that are non-spankers say, well, you're brutal. Because we've got two views going. We've got the tolerant view that you never touch the darling. Because they're immaculately conceived. And... Your baby is so precious it can never do wrong. And you'll believe that lie until about age two. Can I get a witness? All your parents speak up. And then they're going to do what they want, they're going to obey what they want. And then you got the other crowd that's the abuse. Don't, don't touch that child. Don't do this. Oh, you, you told them they shouldn't do that. You did. And that's abuse. So what do we do? Throw them in the air. Make the public school teach them. Because they're great on sex. They're great on worldview. They're great on creationism. They're great on moral behavior. They're bankrupt. You can't graduate a bunch of 1960 hippies that went all the way through on marijuana to teach your kids how to live. I had a friend of mine that went to Cal. Used to be an elder in this church. So I went to Cal, all right. He said, I passed an art class. All we did is smoke weed, drank wine. And I just was glad I got home without hitting somebody. And I got to name the class because I can keep up with the prof smoking weed. This is Cal, Berkeley. You know, a prestigious school. I'll tell you, the Bankruptcy. So everybody, who's going to teach my child? Biblical times. Biblical times. Instruct your children. Know they're depraved. Know they've got a sin nature. Made in the image of God. They've got to be instructed, corrected, rebuked, and even corporal punishment. There was no question of, what do you do under the law? You call your mother a name. Under the law of Moses, the God who gave Jesus Christ. Don't look at me like I'm barbaric up here. The God of the Bible said, if the man curses his mother, the elders of the town are to stone him. And let the birds of the air eat him. This is what God, this isn't been her. this is the Bible. Oh, you like to steal, we've got a cure for that. Juvenile hall. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> and Brother Stubby had a rough times stealing like he used to. Right. We, we, just, we, just, we just cut that off. Just cut it off. By the way, in biblical times, there were no prisons. They fed no prisoners. You, if you stole, you usually paid 20%. You return what you stole plus 20%. Okay, but you never fed, housed, or kept prisoners. If you killed someone, it's life for life. You don't need a prison when you don't have to feed them. I'm talking about the Bible. I'm talking about the Bible. I'm not talking about you more sophisticated Western people. No prisons all the way through the Bible. Only when the Romans conquered Israel did they have prisons. But under the theocracy, under Moses, no prison. Immediate judgment, paying for the fine, discipline, stoning, whipping, which was very common. So he's saying, now you Jewish people, you've grown up with the Proverbs. You know that this instruction process incurs pain, incurs suffering, but it's the way... You grow up. It's not forever. It's a process that produces a great product. Now, let's see what he says. Let's look at the proverb. First of all, the peril of ignoring divine discipline. Notice what he says. Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when you're reproved by him. Ah, uh, what's he saying there? Uh, Don't slough it off that God has gotten involved in your life just like when God picked you up as a sinner uh, let's say the pagan world if you have been worshipping child sacrifices or the immoral behavior of the Greek Roman world you had no morals you had no modesty uh, you had no clue but, and God says guess what I'm going to become your father in Jesus Christ and I know how to raise children. And I'm going to raise you to act like my son. He said, "Well, I, I, I just want to go to heaven. He said, I know that. But before we get there, I'm going to work on you. I want to change you where you start acting like my child. Ooh, I'm not sure. Does that involve any discomfort? Oh, plenty. Because you're stubborn. And I know you're going to pick the way we do. Some might go on easier, but you stubborn kind, I've got stronger instruments. Okay. Well, don't take it lightly that I'm your teacher. And, and don't be weary. And this word weary is don't fall apart. Don't just fall. It's ek luol. Don't just cave in and cry. No, no, no. He said, endure. Keep running. Don't don't run away from home because God's your father. No, no, no. Stay in there. Stay in there. And then he said, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves. The word discipline here is a little Greek word, padia. And it means simply child raising. Discipline, as soon as we hear it, it's a negative connotation. No, I'm going to child raise you. That's all he's saying and then he says there's two purposes you'll learn from my discipline two things you'll you'll discover number one it's the way I'll show you that I love you I discipline whom I love two I'll prove to you that you're my son because all sons all true children of mine go through this
1: And you're listening to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. As we close out our broadcast today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the program encourages you in Christ and how this program is being used by you on a daily basis. Are we just a normal part of your radio listening? Do you tap into our resources available at our website? Have you visited our church? These are things we would love to hear from you. Take a moment, call or write to us today. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. You're also welcome to visit our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Take advantage of the resource materials I mentioned a moment ago. We have several. Again, truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also find information about Valley Bible Church right there as well, who we are, what we believe, worship times, services, and directions to the church. We'd love to have you join us, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Again, that's truthfortodayradio.org. If you're writing to us, our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And then as we conclude our time together today, we would also invite you to partner with us. This radio broadcast and the many resources that accompany it are available as you partner with us as you link arms with us financially and prayerfully. No gift is too small, no gift is too large, and you can do a one-time gift or make monthly pledges. No matter, we'd love to have you be a partner with us as we continue to minister the gospel of Christ to the Bay Area and beyond. So contact us today. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. And you can also donate online at truthfortodayradio.org. That's truthfortodayradio.org. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today.